0: Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have a wonderful guest today. It's exciting in the new year because there's beautiful new books, there's new ideas, there's new voices, and one of them is our guest today. Her name is Rayanne Sarazen. If you don't know Rayanne, you certainly should. She is a chef and a nutritionist and a cookbook author. But we, I met Rayanne, and we're hoping we get to meet her in person one day, Cindy and I. I met Rayanne because when she was writing her new book, which is really, I mean, this is when you've been in publishing, when you're an author, when you see this book, it's called The Complete Recipe Writing Guide, Mastering Recipe Development, Writing, Testing, Nutritional Analysis, and Food Styling by Rayanne Sarazen. When you hold it in your hands, you realize that this is a masterpiece because it's so much work. And it's, I I know it's been a labor of love, Ryan, and welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today, Denise. It's great to actually see you too.
0: Honey, I have to tell you, I, we met when you called or you sent me an email and you said, would I give you, you know, some tips for food styling and And I remember it all, and it was wonderful, and blah, blah, blah. And um, then when the book arrives, do you know what I mean? And I see how much work you put into this. Uh, It's flooring to me. I'm flabbergasted.
1: I Well, thank you.
0: I have to say thank you. Yeah. No, it's It's, a masterpiece. But
1: I have to tell you, Denise, the book took probably about four and a half years to write. It was a, the book just to sort of explain it, it's a comprehensive resource for food professionals. It covers the entire workflow of recipe content, you know, starting from recipe development with a lot of focus in the first six chapters on recipe development that is nutrition focused, including things from um, food allergy intolerances, celiac disease and FODMAP, health and wellness from plant-based, all the way to recipe writing there's a whole chapter and a whole chapter on recipe testing a whole chapter on nutrition analysis and then as you mentioned it has a whole chapter on food styling photography and video of which this book has been reviewed and so many experts like yourself and city flanagan have contributed all of your expertise so it's it's just even though I am the author of the book and I created and added my own um over 25 years of being in the industry, my experience and wisdom, I I really wanted to curate the wisdom and expertise of so many people like yourself, which you were so very helpful.
0: Honey, I'm gonna tell you, thank you. And I'm grateful that I, I'm glad that Cindy and I can help. What, and especially in this day and age, content creation, as you said, one of the things, and you know, you said it, you've been in it for 25 years, I've been doing this, Rayanne, for about, I mean, I started out about 40 years ago when I graduated from the Culinary Academy. Now, let me tell you, there wasn't a day that we studied nutrition 40 years ago in school, okay? The nutritional information we got from the European chefs that I studied with their tip would be things like drink vodka in the morning because it doesn't smell as much as scotch. Mm. I'm not kidding, that was really, yeah. that was the kind of nutritional information they had. There wasn't any, it was all based on French cuisine. And I remember as, you know, growing up in San Francisco and having, I cooked most of my life before I got to the Culinary Academy, but because my family was Italian, we didn't use all that butter. Do you know what mm, I mean? We use right. olive oil and mut and small portions of and various things and many more vegetables than the French used. Do you know what right. I mean? So it was really eye opening to me. So all of a sudden, here we are. I'm 40 years later. You're 25 years. You're. In the midst of it, nutrition, finally, people are realizing, I mean, I think food is, you need food to live. It's joyous. It's spiritual. And it's a wonderful thing. Cooking saved my life. I love that I learned how to cook. But, you know, nutrition is really important. And for a long time, I feel like nutritionalists got bad raps and no one wanted to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: do. I think you're right. And I also would say that nutrition information can really be very confusing. Yes. Overwhelming. And I think with the onset of, which has been a long time, the internet, anybody can look up anything. And I think there's a very fine line between um, mixing fact and fiction. And that Good also reason. could lead to this idea of you know, AI-generated content where, yeah. again, the person who could utilize it and say, I'm going to write a blog or I'm going to be the next person who's going to share this information, they're just gathering this information but don't have the content expertise to discern you know what is correct and what is not. And I think what is really helpful about this book in those first six chapters on recipe development is that it really gives clear nutrition guidelines that are evidence-based that are really meant to help people who are food writers or yes. people who are in the healthcare profession or people who maybe have their own personal expertise because they've lost weight, they can go back and they can look at things that are really scientifically based and translate that information into recipes, which is sort of how we use them use them to help educate. And they're Excellent. they're factual. And I think that um, those, cha- and I just think that it's super important because Everybody today is a nutrition expert, and I have worked with many chefs myself who, in, and in food service, they share information, they're giving some sort of a webinar, and I'm looking and I'm thinking, okay, what did you just say the top nine allergies are? I <laughs> and I, and that's not actually correct, but you know, I, I think that they feel confident, and hopefully this book will give them a place of confidence to look up what they don't know, because we all have to know and be honest
0: with ourselves where
1: where I- our knowledge lacks.
0: So well said. Now, let me tell you, and I know you know this, and it's the internet, the internet, which is like the most wonderful thing that ever happened to us, and also like the devil, okay? So, I mean, the, the, the wrong information that's given out all the time, but, and I don't want to, but here's an example, not recently, 10 years ago, when all of a sudden, maybe it was even 15 years ago, when our corporate clients Started saying, Oh, we're going to have to give the nutritional values. You know, you know. it's the first time you we went into McDonald's and they had a list and they had to admit that that was a 700 calorie hamburger. Do you know what I mean? And
1: yes, I do remember
0: that. And even some people don't care. And a lot of people didn't care. And some people do care. But right. as Liz got more and more involved, now we had corporate clients all the time. Man, and this, I mean, I'm sorry to admit it, but it's true. We'd write recipes for them. We're we're writing them with health in mind. We're writing them saying this isn't, you know, you can get by with one tablespoon of oil, blah, blah, blah. And we'd have corporate clients say to us, oh, don't worry about that. We, we've kind of learned how to manipulate the nutritional program. It'll come out to the numbers we want. Now I have to yes. tell you something. I was horrified. I mean, and I'm not, that's never been my focus. Do you know what I mean? I'm not a nutritionist. But I was horrified that they were doing that. Do you know what I mean? They didn't, they weren't worried about people's health. And this one of them was a website for children. And it's so. Right. Which is just beyond crazy. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yes. And, you know, so now, by the way, we continued to work for them, but we, we were very careful we were very careful because we knew that they were manipulating the program to get the results they wanted. Yeah. I have so much commentary
1: on that. There's a whole chapter in the Complete Recipe Writing Guide on nutrition analysis. And it really, I could talk and talk on that subject alone, but just, I want to make sure that the listeners know that the publisher of this book is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So each chapter- had several reviewers, anywhere from three to nine reviewers. The nutrition analysis chapter had nine, it was the, the most. So as I mentioned earlier, this is everybody's thoughts yes. and opinions. And I think that it is truly a vetted re- you know, one-stop resource. And yes. with respect to the nutrition information, I think what I think is most important for everybody is that not all recipes need nutrition information. I yes. think that's for sure. Um, I think that if you're, you know, if you're promoting it as something that is for health health and wellness, or if it's something for a diet related health condition, and you're writing it for that population or that audience, it does. Um, But I think that what you're referring to, I saw a lot in nutrition analysis when I used to do it for food companies where I were, I was often asked to, when you talk about manipulate, it was changing the serving size. That's where you can really manipulate and change the calorie. And you can change the sodium content. So for me, when I see people putting recipes together, one of my pet peeves is looking at what the recipe puts out and the serving size of that, and thinking, you know, if someone's going to have a loaf pan, are they really going to have a half a, a half of a half of a you know a slice of pumpkin exactly. bread? That's exactly. just it's unrealistic. And I think that is one of the biggest one a big failure in recipe writing. And I also think you lose your readers' trust.
0: Uh- I couldn't agree more. In celebrities that we wrote cookbooks for. So, most of the time, the celebrities did not know how to cook, right? And okay, some did, some did, but most of them did not. The, their cookbook, and they all ended up on the New York Times bestsellers list, and we got paid well, and I'm not complaining. But the editors were the ones, not the celebrity didn't know one recipe from the other. The celebrity liked the way the book. You know, when it was finished, most of them didn't even come to the photo shoots. Okay, but editors would say, "Oh, Denise, we love this, but we're going to change. But this this prep time of thirty minutes is too long, so we're going to make it." And I'd say, "No, you know, you really it takes thirty minutes to prep. That's not bad. It was some gorgeous cassoulet or some recipe, <laughs> and." But I and I saw that in publishing that they would publish what they thought was going to sell, and not what was really real. You know what I mean? And that's so true. That's a difficult one, which is why your book is so important. I yeah, love, thank you. Oh no! And there's templates. I want people to know there's also preparing, promoting food safety, and recipes. Now this talk about. A generation on TikTok that doesn't seem to realize the words food safety. So I don't watch TikTok. I'm obviously not the market for TikTok, Ryan, but once in a while. You are.
1: You are. You you are a market for TikTok.
0: (laughs) And they send, someone sends it to me and says, you have to see this. And there is somebody cooking something or not cooking something, and they're eating something with the raw egg and the raw meat and the whatever. And I think to myself, are you kidding me? Why isn't someone, but Food safety, and I think more important today than ever because of our food, you know, our food resources. Um, I was thrilled to see you do this. Thrilled. Well, I think it, it kind of goes back to Denise this whole idea
1: of recipes as a potential resource or source of nutrition education, food education, teaching people how to cook and eat healthier. And I think that you know, food safety is a part of that. So. It's just, it It belongs within this comprehensive guide. Again, you, you can't include, you know, you can't do it without even touching on that topic alone. Exactly. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. And I think that what's interesting also about um, recipes, just to go back on what you had said before about recipes are really like when you incidiate all that awesome work you did in, you know, the food styling, et cetera. But I think on TikTok and Instagram and a lot of the new mediums, it's, it's often less about, well, it's less about, the content and more about the entertainment. Absolutely. And so I think that this book, what my attention was, is to try to put the focus back on the content. And even though people can say that recipes don't matter, the, the no recipe recipe, which has been around for years, you know, years now, I really believe that there is an audience that needs to learn how to cook and has to do a better job of communicating their knowledge, even if they are knowledgeable. And I, I think recipes for me are about story. And if my heritage is to be passed on or I want to share educational information on somebody who has celiac disease, I'm going to make sure that recipe is clear for the person and they can use it and reproduce it. And then they can riff off of it in their own way. But the recipe should work as
0: written. You just said it. You know, when I was learning to cook as a young woman at 21 years old that I just gotten married, my mother gave me the joy of cooking. And, and I'm not sure which, it probably was the second or third volume already by then. Do you know what I mean? But the reason I loved that cookbook was I was trying to learn, like, I wanna, wanted to make a baked potato all of a sudden, but I had never baked the potatoes. My mother had always done the cooking at home. I helped on the holidays and stuff. So I think that the cookbooks, exactly what you just spoke to, cookbooks were there to teach us how to cook. So now as we've gone through so many things with blogging and celebrities and TV Food Network, which in the beginning I did an enormous amount of work for TV Food Network, Cindy and I both, it was to teach people how to cook. And then it was about the mid-90s, we were a vendor and we got the email that said, oh, now we're switching from teaching people how to cook to food entertainment, and they put it right in an email to all of us saying, you know, we're not going to worry about the information as much as how we deliver it. And that, so what I think you're trying to do is to get back to where you're delivering the the information correctly. And I think you could
1: do both because we all like to be entertained. And I think it's just saying, okay, well, there's entertainment, and then there's also the content. And I feel for me, one of the most helpful things, especially as I have aged, is sharing information, sharing how somebody else does something to learn from each other. And this book is really meant to do that. It's really meant to say, okay, there was a time that you had a whole team of people creating this content from stylist a food stylist yes. a photographer you had somebody creating the recipe copying your recipe but today everything is you know changed and so to sort of change with the times you still I think need to learn the rules to break the rules and I, I think that there's a place for that and if that's that's the new food professional or the the, the people who I hope will be successful
0: I couldn't agree more. I love it I just can't I'm I'm walking my way through your book again. I love the. It's heavy, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, it's amazing recipe. Over four hundred pages, honey. Recipe testing by home cooks. I love this. You have so many home cook recipe testing perimeters. Instruction. See now, here was another thing. A few years ago, you know, in the olden days, we if you wrote a cookbook, you tested your own recipes. Then, again, mountain building, valleys and stuff, and recipe testing. The first time one of my friends, who was a wonderful cookbook author, said to me, oh, I, I didn't, you know, I'm sending a lot of my recipes out for other people to test. I said, what? He said, well, I'm going to send them out to home cooks, and they're going to test some of the recipes for me, and I'll get their their results. And, it, you know, and now that's very common. Yes, and Yeah. And I, but the first time she said it to me, I thought, well, how could you trust those people to do it correctly? Do you know what I mean? And they they yeah. gave them a form, but see what you've got in this book, you could send your recipes out to other people and give them forms and guidelines and they would be doing it correctly.
1: Yes. And I think in, and specifically what you're referencing is that they could just, well, I guess, you know, photocopy or create their own home testing guideline based on the one that's included in the book. And they can also see what the difference is with the professional recipe testing form that I'm sure is what you're referencing when you did it yourself. So I think one of the things that's it's interesting is well, I just I want to point out one difference. Recipe writing is one skill. Recipe testing is another skill. So there you go. I, you know, when you're testing and this is something for me when I test recipes, I'm in a mode that I cannot be distracted. It's a one Focus sort of thing because it's not just like freewheeling where I'm developing a recipe. I am going to test the recipe as written as you've given it to me. Um, And for people who utilize home testers, I think it's a really helpful resource because it could be like that last step where you want to see what is it that, you know, someone's going to question or they'll see that they, you know, what are the mistakes that they can't do based on the way you've written it because you just know that. And I think home testers can help you avoid a lot of those comments that you see on um, newspaper websites and blogs where like this didn't work. And I, you know after trying this, that, and the other, I just think home testing could be a really great way, especially for cookbook authors, people who are doing their own cookbooks, like on um, KDP publishing on Amazon, send it out to maybe your f- friends and colleagues that are professionals, but send it out to the home cook and you're sure to get information back that you never realized was missing.
0: I totally agree. It was just a kind of phenomenon when it started. Do you know what I mean? When it, when people first said it. I have a sister, Rayanne, that has never hooked in her life. Okay, Wow. That's possible. No. Awesome. You're so talented and a sister no. that is... Not, Not interested in the kitchen? Not interested. And one of the things that would be funny is she'd say to me, we'd be talking in the morning, having a coffee, and she'd say, what are you doing today? And I said, we're perfecting omelets. You know what I mean? Omelets with one tablespoon of water. Omelets with one tablespoon of milk instead. You know, omelets with neither. Omelets that have been whipped with a whisk. So I would say to her, we're just making omelets all different ways to see what's fluffiest, what tastes good, is, blah, blah, blah. And she would say to me, oh, I'm flying to Brazil to work on the banking system. <laughs> oh. I'd always say, okay, diminish diminish my omelet testing just even a little more. But she would laugh. But what, what she taught me, which was great, I would say to her, she'd say, I need to have some sort of hors d'oeuvre to take to a party. And I always buy it. And I'm, I'm embarrassed. I need to make something. And the example was, "Ran," I said, you buy nice breadsticks at the Italian deli. And you're going to just wrap a piece of prosciutto around one of the ends of it. Delicious if you want to. Before you wrap the prosciutto, you can, with a pastry brush, put the tiniest bit of olive oil on it. It'll act as, an, you know, or even a melted butter. It'll act as glue to keep that prosciutto on the um, thing. I love Everyone that idea. It. Everyone
1: loves I- it. But you know what I love about that idea is that, okay, so when I was writing this book, which I mentioned took me so long, is I enjoyed so much talking to others and learning from others. And even if I asked them a question that I knew or I think I know the answer based on my point of view, I always like to hear somebody else's point of view and how they do stuff. And I think that's sort of my nature that I love to learn and discover. And I think even what you share about sharing the breadstick and the prosciutto and a little bit of olive oil as a simple hors d'oeuvre. When I am talking to all my friends and colleagues, I always ask them, like, so what are you doing for an appetizer? How do you know? Because I, or an entree when you're having, you know, 20 guests over for the holidays. Because yeah. yes, I know what I do, I know how to do it, but I love to hear how others are figuring things out. And maybe I'll learn a shortcut that I didn't know exactly. along the way.
0: Well, my sister called me the next day. I said, how did it go? She went to the Italian deli we've been going to for a hundred years in San Francisco or 50 years at least. She called me back. She goes, well, you didn't tell me the prosciutto would be like working with the spider's web. Yes. I said, what are you talking about? And she had bought it, left it on the counter and left it out for like five or six hours. So, of course, it got warm. And Which made she- it more difficult. when she wanted to separate it. It was like just this mess. But she... I said, it, so it just got stringy and did you bundle it around? She said, yes. Yeah. She goes, actually, it looked kind of nice. I said, okay, good. Now, inside, I thought, thank God it was cured and no one's going to die from eating that. Do you know what I mean? Right. But, uh, see, I didn't say to her, go and buy it and then refrigerate it. So when you're talking right. about the details of cooking, it when you know how, it's easy. But And that's why, you know, with cookbooks nowadays, So I and I see it, the same thing. In the olden days, Rayanne, again, this is at least twenty years ago, but we used to put two whole eggs beaten, okay, in a cake recipe that we were making a chocolate flourless cake. We on the celebrities website, people called in and said, Oh, the, the cake was delicious, but the eggshell was crunchy. Mm. You're like so what? they didn't crack the eggs. So yeah. we learned had to say two cracked eggs beaten because when we put two whole eggs, people thought the shell was included. I which mean, which is crazy, but you know, also that kind of goes
1: to another part of recipe writing that I find so fascinating and interesting is that um, recipes have such history. So, way back, you know, maybe in the 1900s or late 1800s, people wrote recipes in paragraph style and they just assumed you knew that there was going to be a bowl involved, whether it a small, medium, or large, or a, you know, roast the chicken. You know, there was no direction. So if you track that over time, I think that, you know, it's interesting how much more detail we have to provide, including, but in the same way, very helpful tips, which is to refrigerate the prosciutto so it's easier to work with. And I like that detail and that exactitude because again, it makes that person who's using your recipe successful. And I Absolutely. think- through every part of this chapter, including the expertise of the, you know, food styling. Now I've done a ton of food styling. I feel like even tips that I learned from you and Cindy, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe that shot would have turned out better if I had known Cindy or Denise 25, you know, 30 years ago. But it's meant to help people so that when you get this book, you can have a question, you look it up, and you know you're not only getting the expertise of myself in the industry, the of many different experts. And it's a really useful guide, not to be read from beginning to end, but to go to when you need to have a question answered. And I think, I think that that is how it
0: should be used. I hope- think it, you hit it, you've done it. I'm looking at one of the things back here near the end of the book, you wrote creating a nutritional analysis assumptions document. I wasn't even sure what that was, but well, I'll tell yeah. you. Kit, no, I'm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, thank you. The book, the the charts you've created. What features do you need? Different recipe analysis software applications offer different features. This is enormous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, thank I you. Thank you. I haven't seen this in other places. I, cool. I'm sure.
1: It just have. Think- I have to tell you, I think for me, and again, it's the the curious part of me and the side of me that likes to help others. It's like I thought that I could pay it forward. The food industry, as we both know, has has changed. The publishing industry has changed. And I feel that, you know, I wished I had a book when I started out. I think for any new content creator today, or a chef who wants to write a cookbook, or a home cook who wants to write a cookbook, you know, it, it allows you to a resource or a place to look for information that you can do it and do it well, that you maybe don't need the whole team. And sometimes I don't want to say, and I hesitate to say this because I do think like, for an example, food stylists, there are food stylists that are true food stylists and there are others that claim that they are, yeah. you know, and I think that we all know, like the, you know, the people that I reached out, Lisa Chukowski, Oh you, yeah. um, Cindy, Mary Valentine, um, they're, you know—people who really know their craft, they know how to fix the problems. But yeah. that all, you can also learn how to do things
0: from the experts. And, and be you quite know, Rayanne, when you say that, and this is the same thing as recipe development, recipe testing, blah blah. blah Foodstone. When a client pays you, that changes who you are. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're at yes. home and Mom, and you're writing a blog. More power to you, and you're entrepreneurial, but you don't have the you don't have the railings. Do you see what I'm saying? It's kind of like you're driving without. So if they didn't know the rules, and then they decide to break the rules, or they think this is important, you're not really giving out information that is correct. And that's all. You know what I mean? People that say, "Oh, well, that's not what my readers care about." Well, they might one day. Do you know what I mean? But. No, if you, you, if you're not getting paid to do a job, right. are you a pro or is it a hobby? That's what I always say to people. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, so, uh, but I
1: do think today's this book actually, you know, it's hard because it was written for the food professional, so to speak. Yeah. I think I think a hobbyist who really wants to be a career changer or somebody who really wants to do this. Craft in a very professional way, even if it was for posterity to create a family cookbook. Yes. I think we'd really learn a lot. Um, Absolutely.
0: So. I, when you said a chef that wanted to write his cookbook is an example, also. But what I think that your book also shows, Ryan, it takes so much work. Do you it think sure it takes- does. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to write down some recipes. Uh, I've actually, we've written a couple of chef's cookbooks. Of course, they had no idea why we wanted to charge so much until we went for a day into the chef's kitchen, followed the chef around. There are no standardized recipes. Everybody's, you know, whoever, Juan makes it differently. Juan makes it differently than Fred. So on Tuesday, the soup, I actually worked in restaurants, consulted in restaurants. Where the owner would say to me, oh, you only want to eat the lentil soup on Tuesday because Juan makes it on Tuesday. The rest of the week, it's not very good. And he knew it in his own restaurant. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You could write a cookbook or even just, you know, we used to, we spent, we got paid a lot of money and loved it. We would write the kitchen manual for kitchens that had never had a written recipe. Okay. Yes. But if a chef bought this book and then starts to see all the things that are involved in writing a cookbook, it's not just his idea. And it's not just, you know, his 50 recipes, that the nutritionals, that the styling, that the testing, it's huge. It's a huge, you said it took you four and a half years to write this book. Of course it did.
1: Yeah, I think what is interesting is there's a lot of invisible work that goes behind the scenes and I think I sort of pulled the curtain back and yes. showed everybody what this invisible work is in this field of recipe creation and content. So I think I think it'll be helpful for people that um really want to do a better job at it and I Absolutely. you know
0: so you know this is and it's as simple as when I was a caterer I was uh, became the executive chef of a very successful catering company. I had, I replaced the chef that left, but I knew enough about written recipes. I mean, this is in 1984, but I kept saying to the general manager, "You have to pay me for the hours, the invisible hours, which you're talking about, to write up these recipes, you know, and take some pictures of them so they're in a binder, so everybody knows what." they're going to get and then we can sell this food at a higher price because it's consistent blah 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 and you know what Brian? it taught me everything because we were able to charge more money because everyone said oh your food's consistent it's great it's wonderful but also when people all of a sudden customers and this is with every chef in the world wanted special menus and you go all the allergies and the gluten-free and yes Oh, my God. And that was before that. But when people used to, the salesman would come and say, oh, Denise, the client wants you to create a recipe just for them. Now, of course, it was a celebrity. And I'd say, fine. I'd say the menu just went up 100 bucks a person. And we haven't (laughs) discussed it yet because it will take me hours to create a new menu with new vendors, with new portion sizes, with new everything. And that was when we didn't even have to worry about nutritionals right and you know it's interesting
1: because i do some work for a nonprofit as part of a recipe council and i work with a lot of chefs translating their recipes for what is then the home cook and i think you know i i i say this the person in this nonprofit i say you know we need to get a standard here so when chefs are sending things it is not in ounces and grams and even though that has a place in baking gram weight it's just they, they are there's with no consistency or style which makes the person, you know, to translate, which is me, we have a lot of, you know, room to work with and a lot of questions, which then you can imagine if they didn't have me in between, what their audience is gonna get, uh, a recipe that
0: makes no sense to them, (laughs) so. I know you know this too, Rand. I get sent books and it doesn't take long when you've cooked a long time to look at the page now it sounds it's glossy it's lovely and as we start to read the recipes i'd say to cindy this isn't going to work you know what i mean we had right oh i'm
1: sure and then you had had to make it it
0: look good in food styling right and And you could tell right away and let me tell you and you know what was interesting some of them were seasoned pros some of them were people that had taken uh who had not gotten a big enough advance. And when they don't get a big enough advance, it really shows in the testing because they only test it once or they go, oh, I know this recipe works. I've been making it for years. You know, it was it was eye-opening to say the least. Yes, and I what, think so. What is just, the style it- of- let me tell you something. We would just know. We'd know it wasn't going to work. And I would say to Cindy, we're going to go to the store and buy a box of lemon bars and make them beautiful for the photograph. But then we'd say, and the authors, the good authors would say to us, did you have any problems? And we'd say, yes. Yes. You know, Before you go to print, yes. you might rework that lemon bar. <laughs> and because we didn't. Yeah, just-
1: and I think it's time. Yeah. It takes so much time to do really good work. people, you know, expect you today to, you know, just churn out this constant stream of recipe content. And it's just, it's so hard to do that. And I think it's really a matter of trying to educate people. If you want to do that, you have to be able to take the time. And this includes, which I know there's been some controversy about different sort of recipes that aren't of your own culture. You know, I think it's fine to do that sort of content creation, but you need to use that recipe headnote, or you need to work within the, the writing of it to educate and really educate yourself before you put out like a thought recipe that really isn't of that, you exactly. know, Vietnamese origin. And so I think, you know, recipes, there's just so many tangents that I'm sure you and I can go on all day long and talk about, um, but I think it's knowing what you don't know and reaching out to people that can help yeah. you and to reach out to resources that can make your content better.
0: Now, has the your publisher, have they published other books or is this their first?
1: The oh, no, is they publish. Them? OK, lots. so they, they lots and lots of books. This is a very unique book in the sense that it is very food focused, yes. very recipe focused. And it is that way, because like what we talked about, everybody is producing recipe content and sharing. Yes. And a lot of dietitians are also, many years ago, doing that as well with blogs and working for food companies and public relations firms, et cetera. And they really saw that there was a need for some sort of resource for them to turn to. And I, they did reach out to me partially because I am a registered dietitian, nutritionist myself. I went to culinary school. I worked in food publishing. And I sort of have worked with recipes in different contexts. From working in restaurant kitchens, like I'm sure you know, Charlie Trotters, I had worked at, I have worked at the Chicago Tribune in publishing as test kitchen director and assistant food editor. And I also, you know, have the clinical nutrition experience of that real life understanding of how difficult when people are ill, like back in the day when I, you know, working with AIDS patients and how these men who were very tall and emaciated, the relationship between food and you see yourself as and know, you know, it was just a very complex time. And I remember developing recipes before I even knew what recipe development was when I was doing these high protein shakes for what were predominantly men that I worked with at that time. Um, it is just an education of layers and layers of work within this industry that has given me a lot of insight for empathy for people who even have allergies and true diet related conditions. It's It's so complicated and so I love the entertainment too, but there's so much history and identity and just like meaning and you know, food is a lot more, it's also about enjoyment first. So that's that, not to be forgotten.
0: No, you're just, you're a whole ball of wax brand during the middle of the nineties or going into, maybe it was going into, you know, right at the millennium. um, I remember, speaking somewhere to a group of women that I said, but if you've gone to chef school, you should also right now go and become a nutritionalist because that's what we're going to need in the future. And here you are. Do you know what I mean? Really? I remember I knew I wasn't going to do it because I wasn't going to go back to school. Do you know what I mean? I was too old and I was already making money, so I wasn't going to go back to school. But you're exactly the hybrid, just like when I first worked with nutritionalists, I remember thinking they should go to chef school so they understood more of the process of yes. what, you know, it's the crossover. It's trying. It
1: what is. You, it, it's what I, are, I would agree with you 100%. And that, that sort of goes back to my point of learning from others. So if you lack in something, I can learn from you. You can learn from me. And I think a lot of registered dietitians, which is different from nutritionists, although we do now have a tagline, the registered dietitian nutritionist, because there's a lot of lack of understanding. But I do think that there are dietitians that don't understand how to translate dietary recommendations to the plate onto the page, but doctors as well. I mean, a doctor will say to you, oh, Janice, you have to stop having so much sodium. Well, what what does that look like? And what is that recommendation by the American Heart Association or the dietary guidelines? What does 2,300 milligrams mean? Yes. I mean, that that's meaningless to most people.
0: So. Have you gotten this? You know where this book, I'm sure you're, they're working at, but this book should be in every bookstore of every culinary school in America.
1: Well, we're trying. And I, and I hope, I hope that the word goes out because it is such a good resource for people from culinary schools to dietetic programs, you know, to people who are working in the publishing industry or the authors who maybe have a platform, but don't have the knowledge. It's a way to educate them. That's so, exactly right. You there know, are if- TikTok people killing it, but they need this book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, Honey, this has been, Ran, I cannot wish you enough success because I think it was just a labor of intensity, four and a half years and love and hard work. You know, one of the things people always fail to mention is hard work, not to mention uh. the 25 years you put into it before you wrote the yes. book. Yes. Um, thank you. I want you to come back and visit us again. Um, And tell us about things that you learned since you wrote the book. Do you know what I mean? And your discovery. And I have to tell you, I went to school with Charlie Trotter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Did you really? Yes. (laughs) He only stayed stayed for two semesters. We were at the CCA in San Francisco. And he was tall and and gawky. I don't know. how Mm. He was a nerd. I mean, most
1: people wouldn't even know who he is today, which is I, sort of funny, but it was, um, he, he yeah.
0: wore, was a nerd, but we mm-hmm. all knew he loved, we knew that he had plans. Do you know what I yes, mean? Yes. Yes. But, um, and, uh, I, well, loved I was
1: worried, you know, it funny. I was working on a cookbook with him before he passed away. So it um, would never made it, but it was a, um, cooking at home book. Oh, that nice. never quite made. Yeah, but it's it's okay because it's very sad he died, you know, too young for too young for sure. Way, way too young. And um yeah, but I have to tell you it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Oh, it's like I, I love it. And as I said at the beginning when we weren't recording, I could talk all about women and aging and that whole separate topic.
0: But um welcome, I'm just glad that I could talk about at least my book today. Yeah, we'll talk we'll we'll come back and we can talk about women and aging and nutrition and diet. Do you know what I yes. mean?
1: Yes, a whole topic.
0: I know this. I thought that one of the cutest things and Cindy said this, and Cindy's we were talking to our friend Pat Greenberg, who is a nutritionist and has been for 30 years, and she comes on often. But Cindy said it best as we age, Cindy said, I've learned something. If I don't do yoga every single morning, I don't feel good. And Mm -hmm. so there's helpful, helpful tips in nutrition and in cooking and dieting that are not huge. They're simple changes that can really help us. Yes. And I always like to say, what's healthy for you may not be
1: healthy for me. So I think we all have to sort of navigate this next chapter or all these chapters with what sort of works for us
0: thank you so much oh Um, thanks cindy uh, so much for having me if people have questions they reach out to us at women beyond icloud.com and this will be up on the facebook page which is women beyond a certain age and that's it and thank you again so much and cindy thank you for always keeping the the train on the track because without cindy Yes. there would be no podcast <laughs> and i would
1: say too thank you to both of you and if you want to learn more about the book you can go to my website which is rayannsarazin.com which i'm sure you'll spell out for everybody it's a complicated yes. first and last name the book is also available on amazon also the eat right store with the academy barnes and noble other, other places and um you can follow me and i have a, a newsletter that i'm starting and oh, good. i just think good. that um yeah, so I'm just really appreciative for you to have me on today to share with um, your audience about my book. So thank, thank you.
0: So be so proud.
1: Thank you again
0: for your time today. All right. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Aam. Thank you, Judy. Bye-bye.